Thank the Lord. It's good to be in God's house today, isn't it? It's good to be among God's people. I'm going to share some humor with you to hopefully just make you smile, but before I do that, I just I just want to tell you from my heart how much that I appreciate you getting your family dressed every morning to come and be in God's house. I want you to hear me, and I please, I don't want you to misunderstand me. If I'm the only one on an island, yes, I can have church by myself, and I can feel God's presence by myself. So when people say, well, I don't have to come to church to be saved, okay. But here's what I will tell you. I believe there's an individual expression and there is a corporate expression. And there are some things that we only get when we come and corporately express our worship toward the Lord and our love for one another. Because you may be able to put your arms around yourself and hug yourself, but it sure feels a lot better when somebody else does that. And I want you to know that I sincerely appreciate you getting dressed and you coming to this house. And my prayer is always that I would never waste your time, but that through God's word, I would help encourage you and equip you for not just being here in the corporate expression of worship, but when you go out on your job, you take this word with you so that we live an overcoming life. Not just when we're in church, but no matter where we are, we're overcomers. Can I get a witness? It is really good to see all of you. Thank you for being in God's house. Here's a little humor to make you smile. I recently called an old engineering friend of mine and asked him what he was working on these days. And he replied he was working on aquatherma treatment of ceramics, aluminum, and steel under a constrained environment. I was impressed until upon further inquiry, I learned that he was washing dishes with hot water under his wife's supervision. Joy is one of our values in TPC. I've been to some churches, man, you couldn't even, you couldn't laugh, much less smile. But that's not the case here. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Aren't you thankful for God's goodness? As already been stated by Brother Josh, Brother McGee, would you wave your hand? This is a precious man of God. He believes in repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He believes in living a modest lifestyle to the Lord, and he's a wonderful man of God. And tonight, if you would uh, want to come at 7 o'clock, he and Celebrate Recovery and others will be joining. And we're just believing God for an outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for all who receive it. I want to talk to you out of my spirit this morning. This is... This is just in my spirit, and I want to share it with you. I want to talk on this subject. Is God for us or against us? Is God for us or against us? Because some of the tradition that I have been taught 
would seem like God is against us. And uh, I, I don't want to come across as angry this morning because I'm not angry. But I am very confident in the Word of God. I'm very confident in what I believe. So I don't want to come across today as arrogant. I want to come across in a spirit of humility. But uh, if you're happy, ladies and gentlemen, with where you are and your walk with God, then by all means, keep doing it. Okay? I'm not, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help. So if you're happy with everything you've got from the Lord, then keep doing it. But I'm going to just tell you, I, I'm seeking for more of Him. And uh, here's what I know. I can take my key and go to Brother Cameron's house and put my key in his lock, and it's probably not going to unlock the door. It's a key, and it's a lock, but it's not the right key for the right lock. I found out that if you want God's results, you've got to put the right key, do it God's way, and then we'll get God's results. Can I get a witness? Are you ready for the Lord, the word of the Lord today? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we've um, taken time to get dressed and to bring our families, and now we're here. And I pray, God, that now that we're here, help us to be here, not just in body, but in mind and spirit, that we can receive from your word, that we can live the overcoming life that you want us to live. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody say amen. Thank you. You can be seated. How many of you believe you're a good parent? Let me see your hand. I'm not saying you're the best parent, but you're a good parent. Let me see your hand. I'm not saying you've arrived, but you're a decent parent. Okay. Here's the point that I want to make. If you're a good parent, you would never ever walk into your child's room and say, I'm going to put discipline on you. Pardon me, I'm going to put sickness on you because I want to discipline you and I want to teach you a lesson. A good parent would never call their best friend and say, I'm delighted to tell you that my child is oppressed. And we spend thousands of dollars on medication every year. A good parent would never say, Man, it's awesome to see my kids broke. To see them never enjoy their life is a true joy of mine. I mean, that is absolutely absurd to think, much less even speak. And when we speak it, it's like, I mean, how dumb can you be and still breathe? I mean, that's just stupid. Any good parent would never say that. But unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, there are some believers that they believe sickness was given to them by God. And it's just their cross to bear. There are believers that truly believe that God has allowed Satan to make them sick. To either punish them or to correct them. Ladies and gentlemen and to the parents, I, I can think of numerous ways to discipline my children 
without wanting them to be sick. I can think of numerous ways to discipline my children without wanting them to be oppressed or depressed or not happy and have no joy in their life. The book of James chapter 4 in verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. That means to actively come against the devil. And he will flee from you. We have to resist the enemy and the things he brings to us. And if we do that with the word of God, he will flee. It's just that simple. Look at it this way, brothers and sisters. If God wanted you sick for whatever reason, then when you get sick, why visit the doctor or take medication? I'm going to say this again. Believer, if you believe that God wants you sick and that he's using it to discipline you or to teach you a lesson, then why do you go to the doctor and then why do you take medication? If God wanted you sick, then it would seem more logical to allow sickness to run its course so God's purpose could be accomplished. Do you agree, yes or no? Now, I want you to look at 3 John verse 2, which says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. The Lord wants us healthy just as much as he wants us to prosper emotionally and mentally. John 10 and 10 says that he has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. That same verse tells us that it is the enemy that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Believers are thinking that God uses sickness to discipline them, to get their attention. And I'm just here to ask you the question, is God for you or if, is God against you? Brothers and sisters, if God is against you, we all might as well wave the white flag and just make an early exit because there's no hope for any of us. But if God is for us, then who can be against us? I'm going to talk to you this morning because I believe there are many believers, they mean well, but they are believing a lie. For example, why would God create a fruit tree if he did not want it to bear fruit? Why would God go to the cross if he didn't go to redeem us from our sin and from our sickness? Why even go to the cross if he did not do a work for us that we could not do? When the apostle Peter preaches to Cornelius in Acts 
10 and 38, he summarized the ministry of Jesus by saying how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. That word oppressed means to be in bondage. It can mean to be in bondage to sin, to sickness, to depression, to fear. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Meaning that God wants to set you free from every addiction, every hurt, every habit, every hang-up, every sickness, every disease, every spirit of depression, every spirit of oppression. Do I have any believers in this house? You just have to ask yourself, is God for me or is God against me? Not only did the Lord Jesus go about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, but the scripture says, one writer says, if the books were written that every good deed the Lord did, he said, I don't even know if the world could contain it. Ladies and gentlemen, as believers, God is for us. The scripture clearly proves that being oppressed of the devil is not of God. You may be depressed this morning, but that's not what God wants for you. You may be sick this morning, but that is not what God wants for you. You may be broke this morning and not have a dollar in your billfold, but that is not what God wants for his people. God is for us. I'm going to look at Matthew 8 and 17. It says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Elias. The prophet is talking about Elijah. Saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now if Jesus bore our sicknesses, that means we don't have to. And if the Lord redeemed us from sickness, then it means he redeemed us from sin. And if he redeemed us from sin, he redeemed us from sickness because it was all paid for in one atonement. See, the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, real quick, there's a, there's a story about a lady. She's a, she's a Gentile. She's a, she's a Gentile lady. And she comes to the Lord, and this is in Mark uh, 7, I believe, in verse 27, if they'll put it on the screen. She, this, 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 Gentile lady comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, uh, my daughter has a demon and I, would, I, I want you to heal her. And the Lord basically looks at her and says, this is not what it says in Scripture, but this is what it means. Okay, This is translation. Basically, he looks at her and says, you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, and healing is only for the Jews. So no, I'm not going to do that. Basically what he says. You can say, well, God was cold. No, he's not cold. He's calculated because he knew the message was coming to the Gentiles. It just wasn't right then. So, so he, in the scripture, God calls her a dog. I know that offends us, but that's what he did because that's, that's the way Gentiles were looked upon. They were not of the covenant of Abraham or commonwealth of Israel. So healing wasn't for the Gentiles at that moment. But notice what her response was. She doesn't come back to him and say, well, I have rights. 
you may not think so, but I got rights. No, she didn't do that. You know what she did? She humbled herself and she came in mercy instead of coming with I got rights. And when she came to him in humility and humbled herself, and she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs, guess what God's response was? He then turned in his mercy and said, go your way. Your daughter has been made whole. Hey, now here's why I want to bring you that verse. Because here's what we do. Many times we come to the Lord and almost demanding our rights. I give my tithes. I'm faithful to come to church. I run a bus route. I teach a Bible study. I know who I am and I demand that you heal me. And I'm sorry, this lady did not get what she wanted demanding God do something. This lady got what she wanted, not based off of what she deserved, but based off of what the Lord wanted to do for her. And many times I've had people say, I don't understand why God is not healing me. And here's, the, here's how it goes. I pay my tithes. That's the first thing they tell me. I pay my tithes. I've been faithful for 40 years. I come to church. And what it is, they don't really realize it. But what they're saying is, is because I've done this, God should do that. I know, I know that goes against your religion. But I'm just here to tell you, if you get the right key, you can unlock the right door. you got to approach God the way that he wants you and I to approach him. It's not coming in here demanding that he does for us because we've done something for him. Everything that we receive from forgiveness of sins to the healing of our body, every gift is a good gift. It comes down from God as an act of his grace, not because we deserve it can I get a witness ladies and gentlemen are you understanding what I'm saying you're not going to get healed when you come with the wrong motive because the truth is God don't owe us nothing whatever we receive is because of his grace healing is ours but it's not based on what we've done it's based upon what he has done for us so, God, I don't come to you based off of me and a pastor. I come to you based off of what you did for me on the cross. And I plead the blood of Jesus because I know the word. The word says healing is the children's bread. And I've been adopted into the commonwealth of Israel. Does that make sense? See, it's not, I want you to get this. It's not a matter of trying to get God to move in our life. Oh, God, I need you to move in my life. Mm -mm. No, God manifests himself. Read the scriptures. I'm going to teach you truth. God is seated right now. When, uh, when Prince Charles, he's, he, I think he's fixing a, uh, to uh, be crowned king of, of England here pretty shortly, he's not going to be standing. He's going to be seated. And they will place that, that crown upon him as he is seated. Do you know why? Because seated, when you are seated, it is a place of authority. 
And, and the Bible says that there is power in the word of a king. Now, I don't think this is going to happen, but King Charles could say, listen, we're going we're, we're to go to war against Ukraine. And he could say it sitting right there in his throne. And guess what? Things start being activated. He gives that word to his generals. Generals give it to their men. And again, guess what? Tanks start getting on the ground and boots start getting on the ground. And he didn't have to get up and scream. He didn't have to pace the floor. He didn't have to shake a leg. All he had to do was be seated in his place of authority and take his rightful place of who he is and give the command. We're begging God to move, and God has already done what he's going to do. God doesn't move, ladies and gentlemen. God manifests himself through the finished work of Calvary. He manifests himself. God is not working. His work is done. I know this goes against believers' mentality, but I'm here to tell all of us it's not a matter of trying to get God to move. It's a matter of us moving into agreement with Him and receiving what He's already given. I've prayed for many people to be healed. I've seen people healed. I've, I could stand up here for five minutes and tell you stories of people being healed. But I've also prayed for many that didn't receive healing. It might, you say, well, what, what happened? Well, a number of things. It might be a problem in the heart of the one receiving prayer. It might be something I don't understand in regards to that particular person. It could be a number of things. But here's what I do know. It's not God. It's not God's fault. Somewhere I didn't get an alignment. Somewhere, you know, something's maybe still in a heart. I don't know. But I know this. It's not God's fault. Is God for us or is He against us? Because here, 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 here it is, ladies and gentlemen. We never come up to this altar and say, Hey, um, I don't know if it's God's will to save you. So I need to pray about that. Let's, let's just have a sidebar and let's pray. Is it God's will to save you? Because I don't know if it's His will. We don't do that. We don't do that. Why, why don't we do that with people being saved? Because we know it's God's will. Why? Because His word tells us He come to seek and to save that which was lost. In that same word, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says, Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows, and by his stripes ye were healed. That's the same atonement. Say, why aren't we seeing it? Well, not everybody is saved that we pray for to be saved. Not everybody is healed that we pray for to be healed. But it ain't over yet. So we keep believing. And we keep speaking. My mama was 57, died with bone cancer. Prayed and prayed. It didn't happen. But I'm not going to stop believing that God heals cancer. Come on, somebody. Okay, here's another false belief among us. In prayer rooms, if you've ever been, especially in a Pentecostal prayer room, you have heard this. Here it is. You cry out, people cry out, Oh God, save the lost. I've heard them, man. God, save the lost. And take their fist and pound the altar. Crying. I mean, they're sincere. God, save the lost. God, save the lost. And I've heard, God, heal the sick. God, heal the sick. 
And believers pray like they love people more than God does. I know it's going to get quiet because I'm just, I'm, this is what most people believe. And so I've heard them. I've heard a man pace, oh God, save the lost. And then, you know, they get their trembling in their voice because Pentecostals think if you get a tremble in your voice, you're more anointed. It start, you know, that's all more anointed, you know, like God really looks at that. He's like, oh, they got stammering lips. Ooh, I'm going to really get on that. All this stuff us Pentecostals do, you know, shake and spit on people. And one's got hang on over here and the other's got let go. And other here turn loose. And the other one's come on, hang on. And God, you bunch of schizophrenic people. Make up in your mind. What do I do? Do I turn loose? Do I let go? What do I do? Shake them, you know, shake. That's the anointing. No, you're shaking me. I can't focus. You're screaming in this ear and you're spitting in my face. Somebody's turning me to turn loose and somebody's telling me to let go and somebody's shaking me. You've already anointed me three times, but here comes the fourth. Y'all, it's the truth. We get into all these theatrics because we think it moves God. God is not moved by theatrics. God is moved by faith. You want to move God? I'll tell you how you can move God. Moving through your faith. Come on, we're just talking this morning. Then I've heard him, oh God, save the law, 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 save the law. Oh God, heal the sick, heal the sick, heal the sick. Sister June's laughing because she knows she probably done it. <laughs> Have you done it? Well, thank you for being honest. We got one honest people out of here out of 300. Oh, we got three honest people out of 300. Thank you for the two hands. Oh, four. Can you believe? Oh, my God. Y'all here, I'm going to have to sit down, y'all. Y'all being too honest this morning. Come on, somebody. I didn't know there was that much honesty among Pentecostals. And we act like that we love people more than God does and want him to save them more than he wants to save them. Just think about this for a minute. I'm not trying to be ugly. It's God who went to Calvary for him and showed him his great love, not you. You hadn't died for him. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm really not. But it was Jesus that took 39 stripes on his back to prove his love and that he wanted to heal him. You didn't do that. I'll tell you why you do that, because it makes you look good. It makes you look like you love people and makes you look like you want people healed. But the truth of the matter is, and I'm not trying to be ugly, the truth is this, if you love people as much as you want God to, because you're acting like you love them so much more, then you would get up and you would go preach the gospel to them. If you love people so much, go teach them a Bible study. Why? Because it's the truth that'll set you free. Y'all, I'm coming against some things believers believe. That's just not true. The reason why you don't hear me up here speaking in tongues a lot, because Jesus never told in the scripture, hereby shall you know that you're my disciples if you speak in tongues a lot. I'm not against speaking in tongues. 
I'm for it. It edifies you. It empowers you. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't you want it? But I don't use tongues as a barometer for my spirituality. Nowhere in the scripture can you find tongues as a barometer for your spirituality. Yo, I'm just telling you the truth. I ain't trying to be ugly. You can speak in tongues today, and you can be in some bad stuff tomorrow. Why? Because your flesh is rotten to the core. That's why you got to take your stinking flesh to the cross every day. Y'all okay? No, you don't love people more than God does. If you really love people, go preach the gospel to them. What is the gospel? It's the good news that God has reconciled the world unto himself and he's no longer imputing the sinner's sin against them. That's the good news. They can be saved, they can be healed, they can be delivered, they can be set free, and they can prosper. That's good news. But you know why we don't preach it? I'm going to tell you why we don't tell people the good news. Because we've been under so much bondage called rules and regulations of tradition. We got in our spirit. Well, we can live it because we've been around it, but they can't. I'm here to tell you, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. We need to get some of that garbage out of our mind, and we need to try to quit cleaning people up before God cleans them up. This right here, this whole house ought to be a no-judgment zone. I'm serious. I'm as serious as I can be. This whole house ought to be a no-judgment zone. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? It means let them come as they are and then trust God that he will do a work in their life called justification. And then if they hang around long enough, he'll do a work in their life called sanctification. Sure, I believe in modesty. Look how I live. Look how I dress. Look how my whole lifestyle, I want it to be a lifestyle of modesty. Look at my wife. Look how she dressed. We want to be a lifestyle of modesty. But I can live a lifestyle of modesty and not be judgmental toward people that don't know what I know. I can love people, yellow, red, black, and white. 600 pounds, six pounds. It don't matter. Jesus died for all of them. Come on, Pentecostals. We got to get rid of some of this faulty ideology, the, the, the traditions of man that are keeping us locked in a small mentality. Again, I'm not mad. And Marshall's not leaving because he's mad. Can I keep preaching? <laughs> That's funny. All people have to do, we're making it really hard. All people have to do is get honest, ask God to forgive them. He'll forgive them. He's already done it. If, he's, if he hadn't already done it, when's he going to do it? If he hadn't already forgiven sins, then that means you believe Jesus has got to stay on the cross 24-7 to die for everybody's sins when they commit them. That's Sorry, I don't believe that. 
And if he hadn't healed you, then when's he going to do it? He, does he have a personal cross up in heaven where he jumps on the cross every time you ask God to heal somebody? I'm not trying to be rude. That's just how you got to think. That's just your thinking. That's faulty thinking. Oh, Sister June needs to be healed. Let me go up here and jump on this cross. It's one and done. Hebrews, read Hebrews. And again, I'm not trying to be rude. Just read Hebrews. It will tell you it was once and for all. He came as the lamb. He ain't coming back as the lamb the next time. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to put everything under his feet. Can y'all still stay with me for a few more minutes? Okay. See, we're praying for God to do stuff in what he's already done. We need to simply, ladies and gentlemen, preach the gospel to people that Jesus, Jesus Christ, through what he did on the cross, has reconciled people unto himself. He's no longer imputing, that is an accounting term, charging their sins against them. He wants to save them. He wants to fill them with his spirit. He wants to heal them. He wants to break every chain of oppression off of them. That is good news. That's good news. Do you agree? Can I keep going? Okay. If you read Deuteronomy 28, it lists in Deuteronomy 28, it lists the blessings and it lists the curses that would come upon the Israelites depending on their obedience or their disobedience to God's command. Notice the things listed in Deuteronomy 28, 15 through 68. Here are just a few things listed. Sickness, poverty, grief, and every other trouble imaginable. And these are curses, not blessings. And I've heard with my own ears, and I'm not fabricating. I've heard with my own ears. This cancer was really a blessing in disguise because it made me turn to the Lord. No, it's not a blessing. It's a curse. God didn't put that cancer on them or allow it. The fact that they turned to the Lord is great. That's wonderful, but they should not blame God for causing that problem. Okay, I'm going to dispute some believers' beliefs that come through tradition. God can use evil, yes, and God can use sickness to correct us. Yes, he can. But if God only had ten ways to correct us, only ten, that's all he had. He's got way more, but only ten Sickness would be at the bottom of the list. Why would sickness be at the bottom of the list? Because no good parent wants to come in and say, I'm going to discipline you, and by the way, I'm going to give you 104 fever. Now, the scripture says, it teaches, it would be better for you to go into heaven without an arm, without a leg, than to go into hell with all the members of your body. So if God has tried everything to save you and nothing gets your attention, then can he allow sickness to get it? Well, sure he can. But that's not God's will. That's not what God wants. It's not. It's just simply not. Notice, notice what Joseph said. He said, you have meant this for my evil... But God's meant it for my good. What does that mean? He ain't talking about sickness. He's talking about my, my brothers betrayed me. They rejected me. They lied on me. Now, you meant all that for my evil, but God took it and used it for my good. But there's no reference to sickness in that. Are y'all still with me? Okay. Now, here's, here's what Romans 2 and, and 4 says. 
Get this, Romans 2 and 4. It's not sickness that leads you to repentance. That right there makes me want to shout. Makes me just want to stop preaching and just shout. It's not sickness that leads a man to repentance. What is it? It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. And we got a bunch of Christians saying, well, if you don't do it God's way, God's going to smite you and judge you and send you to hell. God doesn't want to send people to hell. In fact, hell was never made for a person. You were made, ladies and gentlemen. Just think about it. I'm not trying to be smart or rude or arrogant. I'm trying to come against spirits this morning of unbelief. Just think about this. God created you for a garden to be in a perfect environment. Why would he want to send you to hell? He doesn't. That was made for the devil and his angels. All of this judgmental stuff that we're screaming from the pulpit. No wonder people don't come. They already live in hell. And now here we're telling them they're going to die and go to hell. They're like, my God, I live in hell. Now I go to church and tell me I'm going to die and go to hell. Might as well go get drunk. Do I have five Pentecostals that believe just what I said? Five. That's all I need. Right. You're exactly right. Well, sure it is. And then the church comes and judges them and tells them they're going to hell and they don't look like us and all this. Brothers and sisters, that's traditions of men. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was a friend of sinners. He loved the prostitute. He didn't love her sin. He loved her. Can I keep preaching? It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Here's 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says God's word. Check this out. God's word, not problems, is given to correct and reprove us. Did Jonah have a lot of problems? Did he go through a storm? Did he get thrown overboard? Yes, he did. But guess what? Jonah caused that storm. That wasn't what God wanted. God told him his will. Go down to Nineveh. Preach to the Ninevites. You're going to see great revival. He said, I ain't going to do it. God said, okay, bud. Have it your way. I am. I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to show you. Okay, show me. He goes down to Tarsus, gets in a boat. Big storm comes over. Oh, my God, everybody's afraid. He said, well, I, I can tell you what's wrong. I disobeyed God. Throw me over. Well, you moron, you wouldn't have had to have been thrown over. You're a moron, Jonah. You wouldn't have had to go into the belly of the well, but you wanted to do it your way. So have it your way, and then this is what God's going to have to do to get your attention. Is that what God wanted? No. He wanted simple obedience to his word. Go down to Nineveh, preach. There's going to be a great revival. Oh, I know I'm coming across as harsh. I'm not trying to be. But listen, Israelites hated Ninevites. They hated them because Israel was racist. That's the truth. They thought they was the cock of the walk. They thought salvation could only come through them and they could only be saved. That's like, that's like Pentecostals. Um... The only one probably saved in this entire community. Here's, here's, here's what the Bible says. They're going to be saved out of every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. 
Do y'all think? Come on now. I'm not, again, I just have to keep repeating myself. I'm not trying to be ugly, rude, or arrogant. But do y'all think there is a UPCI church in every hamlet, in every village in the world? But the Bible says they're going to be saved out of every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. Oh, but just a few be saved. Really? A few are going to be saved? Uh, you might want to check the context of that scripture. There's going to be billions around the throne. Oh, okay. You don't believe that, huh? All right, that's, a, that's another fight for another day. I'm not going to get into that. I can tell. You, you done bought into the tradition that just, a, just a barely a couple people going to squeak by. When Jesus said, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, what he was talking about is their self-righteousness. Boy, I done stirred it up in here. I felt it get all kind of tied up in here now. Whoa. Okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna. to... Holy moly. Okay. Well, I got it stirred up. I might as well keep it stirred up. I done made some of you mad, so, well, it's too late now. Look at Matthew 8 and 20. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And people have taken that verse and said, Well, if Jesus didn't have nothing, well, then we shouldn't either. Y'all got a few more minutes? Okay, I'm going to tell you, that's a faulty belief. You need to study the context. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this, that you better understand the true cost of discipleship. Because what he was saying is, is, when you become my disciple, your best friend may turn away from you. Your family members may turn away from you. Because this right here ain't cheap. It don't cost you anything, but trust me, it ain't cheap. Right? Salvation don't cost you, but a lifestyle of discipleship will cost you. And that's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't coming against having money. He was wanting those people to know. Because if he was against having money, then he should have said something to Nicodemus. Because he came to Nicodemus' house and Nicodemus was a wealthy tax collector. He never did ask Nicodemus for a dollar. In fact, Nicodemus said, God, if I've offended anybody, I will repay them fourfold. Lord didn't even respond to that. He never asked for money. You know why he said this? And then you know why he looked at the rich young ruler and said, go sell everything you got and give it to the poor? It's because God knows every man's idol. He knows every man's idol. And he looks right at their heart. Oh, I know you're keeping the commandments, but your idol is your money. So go get rid of your money and then come and follow me. He said, I can't do that. That's right, because that's your idol. And you're trying to put on this religious cloak. Like, oh, yeah, I've obeyed all the commandments. I'm a good boy. Yeah, you're religious is what you are. You don't want a relationship. You just want religion. You just want everybody to think you're good. And this is why Jesus was saying, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't have a place to lay my head. He's talking about the cost of discipleship. He's not against us having money. Brothers and sisters, money and sex. Money and sex are two things God has given us. 
Money and sex can be used for good or they can be distorted and become very destructive. When sex is in its place, you didn't think of sex. I didn't think of sex. God thought of it. And when it's in its place, it is beautiful. It is a cause for procreation. It is a cause to go back to the first commandment, Genesis 1 and 27, be fruitful, replenish the earth, and multiply. When sex is in its place, it is God-ordained, and it is beautiful. When money is in its place, it is to advance the kingdom of God and to solve many problems. But when you get money out of its place and money becomes your identity and you think you're important because you got a couple bucks. God said that's an idol. It's not that God has you, minds you having money. I've heard stories from people I trust. Basically they use that verse to keep people oppressed in their churches and then, y'all check this out, then when the preacher needs an offering because an AC unit went out, and it's a 10-ton unit, and they need $10,000, and they only get 1000 then the same preacher that's preached, you know what, you can't have nothing because Jesus didn't have nothing. He's the same guy that comes back up and says, my God, I asked for an offering, and all I got was $1,000. You can't have it both ways, Bubba. You can't berate the people for not giving when you've taught them they need to be in poverty to be like Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, God doesn't mind you having money. He don't want money to have you. It takes money to build this building. It takes money to put missionaries around the world. It's going to take money to buy my lunch at El Toucan today. It's going to take money to be a blessing to somebody in this room. But it's not my God. It's a tool. All right. I can tell y'all are done, so I'm going to be done. Let's stand. Here's the message. Is God for us or is God against us? Okay, so some of you still don't know. So I'm going to ask y'all again, is God for us or is he against us? Okay, if God is for us, then I need to put on this robe of righteousness and realize it's not my righteousness, it's not my holiness. But I'm going to take what he's already done and I'm going to release it. I command on the authority of the name of Jesus for healing to be released. Virtue, strength in your body. Instead of begging God to do it, and he's stunned into silence. And he can't even answer you because he's like, I told you in my word who you are and what I want you to do. You are my royal representative in the earth. You're begging me to move, and I've already moved. I've already done what I'm going to do. Now take your authority as a believer. Cast out devils. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? I'm going to leave you with this, y'all. Here, here's what warfare is. Here's what warfare is. I, I'm gonna, I may come back and talk some more on this. Because we got, we got all this thinking, thinking about spiritual warfare. I want to pick you Jesus. 
Check that out. Is that up on your screen? Warfare only takes place between two undefeated foes. Once an enemy has been conquered, the war is over. Read, again, I'm not trying to be rude or ugly or brash. Read Colossians. Colossians will tell you that Jesus stripped Satan. And he made a show of him openly. Read what that means in history. In history, it means they would take kings and they would cut their thumbs off so they couldn't hold their sword. And they would cut their toes off so they couldn't keep their balance. And then they would drag them. They would drag them through the city streets as everybody was paraded. And they would drag this defeated king through the street as the general sat on his uh, on his on his horse and drug this defeated king through the street and everybody would laugh at the king because he's defeated because he can no longer hold a sword and he can't even keep his balance that is exactly the reference to what Jesus did for Satan on the cross. He stripped him of the keys of death and hell and he made a show of them openly. Jesus did not defeat Satan by doing major spiritual warfare. He defeated Satan on the cross through the fruit of the Spirit. This is the only kingdom where fruit is a weapon. Say, I don't believe that. Okay. Well, you're going to have to stand a little while longer then. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Because of love. He stayed on the cross because of self-control. Because he knew he had the power to come down and call legions of angels and smite them. He was kind enough not to obliterate all of them. His goodness was shown in that he didn't respond back to their taunts and their jests. He had joy because he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Because he knew when that spear went into his side, blood and water was going to come out. Which is the typology of birth. A woman has blood and water when she gives birth. And that spear was going to go in his side and he was going to birth the New Testament church. And he had joy because he saw this in his mind. All fruit of the Spirit, Jesus portrayed on the cross. That's how he defeated Satan. Satan is already defeated, y'all. The Bible plainly tells us in the Gospels, all things are under our feet. Notice, notice this. The Scripture says this. The enemy is seeking whom he may, not can, may devour. When you ask your third grade teacher, may I go to the bathroom? You weren't saying you can't go. You were asking permission. What, 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 what do you mean by that? The devil goes about looking for somebody to give him permission. There's two beings that want to control you. One is Satan and one is God and both have to have your approval. God can't even come into your life unless you give him approval. Neither can Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. You resist him and he will flee from you. Is God for us or is he against us? Molly, has daddy been rude today? Okay, thank you for saying that because you're just going to get in trouble if you said yes. Yeah, I'm going to pray over you, God. I promise I have not wanted to come to be rude to your precious people. God, I haven't wanted to come out of arrogance, but I'm just, I've, I've come out of confidence 
because so many of your people are living below what you want for them. It's not that they can't have it. They just don't know that it's been paid for. And Father, you've paid it all so that we could have it. And it's ours. And help us to receive it. Y'all, I really am sorry I've preached this long, but you know what? Here's Molly, girl. This is my daughter. This is Molly. And, and Molly, I'm going to just brag on Molly. Molly um, is in the fifth, top 15% at McNeese. She has like a close to a 4.0. She's had it all of her semesters. And if Molly makes a D, okay, I'm not going to kick her out. and She's not going to be homeless. But I know that she has the potential to make an A. I know she's got more potential than that, right? So I, I, I just want y'all to get this. It's not that you can't make heaven sick. A lot of people are going to die sick, but they're going to be saved. A lot of people are going to die poor, and they're going to be saved. It's, it's not that you can't be saved being depressed. You can probably be depressed and still be saved. It's that God doesn't want that for you. Because he knows your potential. And he wants you to receive everything that he has purchased for you. So if you go to heaven sick, it's not because he hadn't healed you. If you go to heaven broke, it's not because he hadn't blessed you. Because Ephesians 1 tells us he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings. It's also told us in the book of Proverbs that he's given us the power to get wealth and adds no sorrow to it. It's not that Molly can't make the A because she's already proven for three years she can. It's not that you can't live this overcoming life. You just have to believe the word. You, you just have to decide, is God really for me? See, most people don't think they can really be happy. Well, you got to have, you know, you can't be too happy. Oh, no. No. Can't be too blessed. If I got too blessed, I may go to hell. Well, you know what? Then you probably won't be too blessed because God don't want you to go to hell. But here's the deal. If, literally, if, if the devil thought that money would make you go to hell, he'd have a dump truck of it full and unload it on your front porch in the morning. Money don't make you go to hell. When you make it an idol and you put it above God and it becomes your identity, that's when you got to worry. But as long as I'm taking my money to advance the kingdom of God and to solve problems and to be a blessing, then God says, I can bless that. I can bless that. As long as I'm taking this healing and I'm giving it away on the authority of the name of Jesus, I release it. Not that I go around blab it and grab it. You know, I ain't talking about that. It's not how it works. When God unctionizes my faith, then I speak. How do I know that? Because I walk in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, God will cause you to be sensitive. Pray for this one. Give this one a word. Does it make sense? Do you receive God's Word today? (laughs) 
I have Hope House guys come out to my house. They look at our house. They say, whoa, Brother Neelan, you sure are blessed. Yeah, I am. You know how I got there, son? I've been trying to walk in obedience for the last 40 years. And I believe his word that he says, I'll bless you as you come in. And I'll bless you as you go out. Because I want you to be the head. And I want the nations to look at you and say, wow. Whew. God sure is good to them. You know, that's right, he is. So I can tell you, hey, if you'll get this into you, God is no respecter person. He wants to be good to you. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you wisdom. Does that make sense? And would you put your, would you, I, I'm going to be done, I promise, this time. Would you put your hand on your head and ask God to give you revelation right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, would you give us revelation of what we just heard? God, I know that Paul never prayed for the New Testament church to have revival. He prayed for them to have revelation of what they already have in Christ. God, give me revelation. Help me to get rid of some of this stinking thinking. Help me to get rid of some of these traditions of men been taught as doctrine. Help me to get rid of some of this faulty thinking that holds me back from accepting, receiving, and believing everything you have for me. I am an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I can be what you say I can be. I can have what you say I can have. I can walk in joy and happiness and faith and prosperity you are for us. Come on, why don't, why don't some of you step out of your pew? Come on up to this front and say, God, open up my eyes. Open up my heart. The devil can't defeat me. He's already defeated. He's already under my feet. I'm living below what you want from me because I'm not believing your word. I'm not taking your word and applying it to my life. Sunday.